Hello, traders. Welcome to Limit Up Podcast. I'm Dan Hodgman. As usual, sitting down with Jack Pelzer, sitting down here as usual with Dan Hodgman. <laughs> Just throwing Jack, it back how are at you. Going? They're going reasonably well. I think uh, we're talking about the sell-off today, but I just be concerned. I got to go take like an allergy test or something like that. I feel like I've just been under the weather for like a month now, and that's just the way it is, I guess. I have a uh, uh, great dermatologist for animals. Um, that what are you what are you implying tests. about me? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> my my dog has been having really bad ear infections about the last eight months, and uh, we are now having ear surgeries and going to dermatologists and doing allergy tests and like shaving his skin and doing the pin pricks, ah. all sorts of things. Um, he's on like four different antibiotics for his allergies, so. I guess that's uh, what I have to look forward to. you need the name of my to. dermatologist, yes. um, I, can, I can hook you up. <laughs> Send it on over. Could it hurt? <laughs> yeah. Besides that, uh, after uh, the jobless claims, we don't have a ton going on until CPI. You know, uh, We'll see what happens with that CPI number. Yeah. I mean, that's just the name of the game. We could say that every week for the foreseeable future. It used to be such. I remember trading... For years, when there was no inflation, no movement, everything was just crammed together in the bond market. And the CPI was one of those numbers that, like, I'd be there for it, but I'd probably have a potbelly breakfast sandwich taking up most of my attention. For those, yeah, I saw Dan's reaction there. Oh, Jack, just real quick, for those that don't know about the potbelly breakfast sandwich, why don't you explain it? If you're in the Chicago Loop, you know, Papa is a great sandwich place, but only in a few restaurants do they do breakfast. And their breakfast sandwiches are superb. They come in either sausage or bacon. Oh, they're great. And uh, there was one right next to the Board of Trade. So frequently, if, if I had had a few martinis the night before, or if I was just feeling bad about the night trade or something like that, the anecdote was to go get a potbelly breakfast sandwich. Or a Bobby Brown from uh, Seller's Market. Those were Absolutely. my treat, treat yourself breakfast while I was sitting at my desk. So check it out if you can. <sighs> now you got me dreaming about potbelly breakfast sandwiches. Well, I'll try to snap you out of it. The, C- <laughs> the CPI was like, eh, it was like, it was like a mid-tier number. Unemployment was the big dog than anything the Fed says. Now it's kind of swap with unemployment, where unemployment will still move things. But CPI is where everyone's watching along with the Fed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, CPI, when I first got started in things, I knew what it was. I, it was not a day. We had certain numbers that you just, you didn't miss work, you know. Didn't care how sick you were. If you were out of town, you were back in town for that number. It was unemployment Fridays, expiration Fridays, it was GDP. Um, those were the days you were coming to work. And CPI was like, oh, yeah, I think CPI comes out at 730 with bonds opening up at 720. You were thinking, all right, just keep a close eye. You know, you tell a trade checker or a clerk, keep a close eye on the board. If something comes up, great. Um, if it comes out out of whack, just let us know. But it was pretty consistent, pretty expected. And now, to me, I think that's going to be one of the most uh, influential numbers. And then on the same track, Jack, which kind of what's causing a little bit of volatility here, FOMC statement, you know, mm-hmm. six, seven years ago, the Fed wasn't changing rates. They were steady. There was no expectation. The last thing you were doing is watching that FOMC statement every six weeks. 
Um, you're like, okay, I, what's the Fed going to do? Is Janet Yellen going to change? I don't think so. Yeah. They're few and far between. I, I remember that right when I started, because I probably started just a few years before, because there was a, the whole like Operation Twist up. There were some pretty wild moves along the way there um, with the quantitative easing. But besides that, it was like unemployment was it. So it's a very different environment that we're in. And I think we can't discount nobody's really experienced markets like these. So everyone who's a trader who's, I'm 35 years old. I bet there's a lot of traders out there who are, 35 is a very like trader age, I feel like. If I think about, if you think the stereotypical trader you think is sitting in front of the screens for some, I don't know, bank or something. I don't know, in my head they're 35. Anyway. Well, the point- I think I'm finally, I'm 33, Jack, and I think I'm finally at the age where I don't feel like I'm a young trader. Right, exactly. <laughs> My point being that someone who's 35 has had roughly the same experiences that I have market-wise. So you uh, kind of started, you would have gotten out of school. The uh, Great Recession had already kind of kicked off, right? You, you, th- maybe if you're a little bit older, if you're 37, 38, you were in the industry through 2007 and 2008. Huge ramifications there from that. That's something no one's ever seen. Then you've been through this era of just quantitative easing, zero interest rate policy. And that's kind of what it's been until um, COVID. There was a brief taper tantrum. But then COVID, no one's ever seen it. And now we see inflation. My point being that anyone who's my age or a little bit older has mostly seen zero inflation, pretty much zero interest rate environments. And then the people that are older, like people that were there for the 80s, early 80s especially, if you go back that far. Now, I, there's a big gap there, obviously, um, of people that were in the 90s. But that's what everyone's going back to to anchor their inflation. Like, what's an inflation trade like? But that was a very different thing, too. So right. Think of like where stocks were back in 1983 versus where they're at today. And the movement being so different, you know, you talk about the crash of 87. What was it? 600 points in the Dow. But it was 20. I believe it was a more than 20% move in one day. Mm-hmm. Maybe like 23% sounds right. Which nowadays, if you think about that, that would be what? Like uh, if the S&P sold off 1,000 points. I mean. Oh, huge moves percentage wise. But if you think yeah. about like just like the market movement, that market volatility yeah, a th- you know, a 20% move is huge. But if the Dow's down 600, which is, I think, what the number was, nowadays seeing a 600-point move doesn't really bat your eyes, yet the financial implications are the exact same. They are, especially when you trade futures for a lot. Of, and I know that they went from the big S&P contract to the they split it in five or whatever. Right. But the truth is people have been trading E-minis for, you know, what? They've been the dominant thing for at least, what, 20 years more? At least, at least. And if you think about, you know, 20 years ago, the S&P 500 was 1,200 thereabouts. It got to a low of 666 in 2008 or 2009, whenever it bottomed out. I think March 2009 sounds right. Okay. That even if the percentage moves aren't as much, we're getting the equivalent, your exposure when you're trading an E-mini future, we'll routinely see... Uh, moves you know say an 80 90 it feels like every month we have at least 100 point swing in the es futures 
All right, that would have been a huge percentage back then. But the point is, it's the same amount of money now. It's still fifty dollars a point. And I think that's what people tend to forget. And I think it lends into our topic that we're going to talk about really, really well today, Jack. Yes, yes, good <laughs> transition, Dan, because we're going to talk a bit about. There's a lot of stuff out there about uh, trailing uh, max drawdowns, and especially through the lens of trader funding opportunities because different organizations have different rules that they use and i think it's important to kind of think about we're gonna talk about this more as far as trading best practices for yourself is how should you think about your trailing max drawdown in the sense of even if it's unrealized like from your high uh realized point that you actually could have got out of not some like weird spike that happens where you know I think I was up once like $23 million, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Impossible money to actually realize because you can't get out of your positions. Right, exactly. You know, if if your P&L monitor is reading uh, bid-to-bid pricing in an empty market and you're short a bunch, uh, it may say you're up $23 million, but you're in for a whirl of friggin' hurt (laughs) pretty soon. I guess... I kind of like, I want to look at it through a risk management and you're part of the risk management team. So like we discussed there in that little anecdote about the E-mini ES, right? Is that you're trading a lot more risk now with that than you were 20 years ago. Undeniable. Depending on your strategy, how much are you willing to give back before it's a, even if you're up money before it's a bad decision to do so. So this goes back. We've talked about daily uh, loss limits. Which Dan, you have you keep a daily loss limit for yourself, or is it more flexible? Pretty flexible. Pretty flexible. But I'm gonna guess with your flexibility, you wouldn't want to lose more than I don't know five percent in a day. Yeah, I mean, I have I have certain levels that I'm willing to go. Um, certain risk parameters that I do have. I have a lot more than just a you know standard loss limit place. I have execution rates, um, mm-hmm. loss rates, what the market state is. I think market state really changes a lot of things for me. Uh, if we're in a trending market, if we're getting really directional, I'm having a hard time finding my uh, my location in that direction of my entries. Um, you know, two or three losers on that, and I'm shutting it down. But if we're in an inside range day, that's where I'm. I tend to be the most successful. I can take losses because I'm keeping stops really tight. Um, everything is has some flexibility to it, and based off of you know the amount of money I keep in my account, I'm definitely willing to risk you know two to three, sometimes five percent. I do have you know puke limits. Thankfully, I haven't gotten close to one of those in quite some time. I don't think it's insane though. For instance, you know, I was talking to JD while you were gone. I don't think it would be insane. For instance, and I think this is much tighter than people who are independent futures traders uh, would do is I wouldn't want to bet more than one to 2% of my stack, so to speak on any given trade. And I would definitely not, I wouldn't want to lose more than 5% in a day. Something like that would be fair, right, Dan? Yes, I would agree. It would be fair. You also have to factor in what kind of return you're seeing, right? What's your Mm -hmm. growth look like? Um, That's going to tell you a lot about what you can, what kind of, money you can risk and let's keep things really simple you use you know let's call it a great your stack is 10 grand that's how much cash hard cold cash you have to open up your trading account. capital we all know, yeah we all know you can lose a heck of a lot more than the money you put in um 
that'll happen in this industry. <laughs> but hopefully you know, not to you. Let's use this term ten thousand dollars. That's what you have to trade. You know, you think about it, right? If you have you're willing to lose five percent of ten thousand dollars. You're you're you have ten thousand cash. So let's say you're in one of our funded accounts and you've grown that to ten thousand dollars. If you're willing to risk like you said, Jack, two, three percent maybe, you're looking at a few hundred dollars. Um, yeah. you hit the you hit a thousand, you're down ten percent of that value. If you're willing to risk ten percent of your stack and in any given day you're setting yourself up to only last for 10 days. We know no strategy is perfect and has down days and 10 losing days in a row should not be a reason to abandon anything. That would don't give you that would be a rough run, but it's more you're giving yourself the chance probabilistically if you are anywhere close to having a strategy that should work with larger numbers um, of opportunities then you're giving yourself the opportunity. So two things that we see too much of, and that's why I want to talk about the trailing one, is I think with something like the daily loss limit, people have a better idea of what that is for themselves. They know it's some percent. And I think they even get the risk on a single trade. What I see that's sort of troubling sometimes, and I would argue that how much you're willing to draw down is more of an art than a science. Like, I don't think I'm going to come out of this by giving like what a percent would be, but we could try and find a range is that we'll see uh, traders that are up four or $5,000 and then lose, you know, the, their daily loss limit, whatever that is. Then, and then they lose like a, they end, end the day down 2000. Now on paper, if all I saw was not any of the trades you made, but just, what the end result was, it'd be like, okay, tough day. This person just um, hit their daily loss limit. That'll happen sometimes. Better luck next time. But in reality, it's tough for me to... You shouldn't go up that much and then hit your loss limit. You should not. The I mean, the only thing I could think of would be if you're almost like swing trading, if, if you're using like your entire entire daily loss limit on one trade each day, and you're not someone that trail stops and you're going for a, a five to one reward, sure, that I guess you could swing from 4,000 down 2,000, but very few of y'all out there are doing that. I haven't seen that. No, Jack, you are spot on. I mean, there's, within your trading day, you've got to have rules on... I'm never one to say cap your profits. Mm, I you know, agree. You hit a you hit $500, you hit $1,000, be done. I'm not that type of person. You know, we'll all be in Vegas in a couple of weeks, Jack. We sure will be. If I'm on a heater at the blackjack table, I'm not stopping because I'm up money. I'm going to start stopping because I start losing and the table, you know, the hot seat has gone cold. And I got to recognize those things. Same thing in trading, right? Your strategy is successful. Maybe you have a range-bound trading strategy, and it's trying to break out, and it's actually holding up some of these levels pretty well, mm-hmm. and you're having a hard time recognizing that, and you've been going all day, and you've had you know, five really good trades. You're up a few, few thousand dollars. You know, There's got to be a point in your trading, and I'm not going to say you know, I don't want to give dollar values because every trader is completely different. 
but there's got to be a point in your day where like, hey, if I make that money, that's a phenomenal day. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point is when I have to start creating some sort of rule. What is that rule? I, well, I won't lo- return. I'm going to use numbers because that really helps. You know, if it's $1,000, you go up $1,000, the most you can give back on that is 50%. So if you come down to plus 500, I would say a $500 day is a damn good day. You do that five days a week, you're looking at $2,500 a week, you're looking at $10,000 in a month. That's mm-hmm. a pretty solid trading month um, at 500 a day. So if you're up 1000 you don't want to give back more than 50% of that. As your account continues to grow, that percentage you're giving back is going to start to shrink. So if you're up 2000 maybe you bring it down to I'll give up not 50%, but I'll bring it to 40 or 25%. And if you're up $2,000 and you get back 25% of that, that's another $500 given up. Well, maybe you shut it down and you take your 1500 yeah. on the day. Um, you want to trail your stop. There's a point of which, hey, don't cap the profits, but ensure you're locking it in. Yes. But my my impression is probably the reason this happens most frequently is that people are expanding their position position size in like in during the day. So for example, is I have no problem with if your strategy is that you're going some trade that gives you three to one risk reward and you're betting. I know they don't like when we use the word betting, but it's the most efficient word here, all right? And you're, <laughs> what, is, what is the word you would use? Staking? Risking? We'll say risking. risking. And you're ri- risking $100 of downside, all right? And you make 300 on a winner. I'm fine as long as it meets your things with you doing that trade uh, again and again, right, essentially. And if you take a big drawdown just because the trade doesn't work several several times that's unfortunate but i'm kind of with it what is what i imagine is more likely with these big swings and big drawdowns is more like okay i'm gonna do that same trade now i'm up 300 now i'm gonna do the same trade but i'm gonna risk 300 all right okay i'm up 900 or about 1200 or whatever i'm gonna do the same trade right now but i'm gonna risk 1500 right i i think that they get up that amount of money and then it's like, wow, I have a lot of room because my only rule or something is how much I could lose it a day. Let's see how hard I can push this. Dan's right. You got to let winners run. And I would never cap the number of winning trades you'd have a day. If you're trading well, keep trading, but don't for the love of God, don't increase your, this gets me so hot and bothered. (laughs) One day is not a time frame in which you could change your your risk parameters larger, right? One week probably isn't. No. Jack, I see it too often in, you know, the Facebook community. I see it in other places with retail traders and groups that I've I, I, I'm in and, you know, it's like someone's finally saying, I pinpointed it. Today was the day it all worked. Now you got effing lucky. Um repeat this for the next two months. Show consistency in your execution and in the return. It doesn't have to be financial returns, but you know that day in and day out, you're executing the same. You're coming off that plan, and the plan is working, even if it's downside days. It's not one day. You know, my dad always told me because I, as a younger trader, I was aggressive. 
Uh, I have no problem admitting that to this day I am. Everyone knows I have an ego when I trade. I know that. Um, Mm -hmm. But my dad always told me no one day or one trade is going to make you as a trader and never, ever let one day or one trade break you as a trader. Because you can ask any trader that's been out there, you know, a 30-year veteran who, you know, has a perfect track record and you ask them, you know, when did you think you figured out or how to come? Hoag says it all the time. Like it, it's a constant development. You never pinpoint when it happens. You start to recognize, okay, by like the fourth year, I started seeing like consistency, um, you know, mm-hmm. and I started making it like I was putting money actually in my pocket as opposed to putting money back into my trading. That, those are the things that they remember. They're not going to go, ah, on January 18th of 2023, that was the day it all changed because I had my biggest winning day ever. No. Yeah. No, definitely. Like that. I think that as you're going out there, if you bring the consistency like we've talked about, as far as if you're taking trades throughout the day with that are of similar risk profiles with your strategy, then what we're talking about shouldn't really come into play. You shouldn't find yourself in a position where, yeah, if you have a trade that has a 50% win rate or something, it gets very unlikely that you'll see so many of them in a day and they'll all go so wrong that you'll take some huge swing to the downside. It's possible. It's really unlikely. In your strategy, if you want to have some point, if you're like, if, if there's three in a row that go bad, I'm done for the day, by all means, go for that. But really where you're just going to hurt yourself is when you're kind of, um, for, for lack of a better word, YOLOing trades, you expand your risk because you're up money and then take a, a huge swing to the downside. And that is certainly less defensible. So be careful also, about that. Jack, you know, going back to your point about like, hey, it's been successful. I'm opening up my risk. I'm taking another. I'm opening up my risk. I'm taking another. When you're on those days that things are firing pretty well, those should be the days you're tightening up your risk with each trade you take. Because I know everyone out there at some point in their trading career has been up a significant amount of money, took a loss, menial maybe, and then they thought to themselves, I got to get back. I just have to get back to where I was. I can't give up that Ooh, day. yeah. And then you start the chase. And then you start opening up the risk because you got to get back to that now, that second highest value you were at. And then you're chasing the third highest value. And then you're down 2000 after being up 4000 Like, that's what happens. And how do you avoid that? You can't. I mean, that's just human nature. You know, if you dropped a $100 bill on the ground, you don't want to pick up a $90 bill and walk away. And I, I know they don't make a $90 bill, but... They you should, know. you know, just, just for this example. <laughs> just for this example. Uh, uh, Secretary Yellen. Um, how about it? Could we gotta get a hog on a $90 bill? Right? Like that, that. No, I don't. No one wants to do that. No one wants to lose 10% of their, you know, their profits on a day. But sometimes it's like, you know what? I got to accept that because where did I start? I started at zero. I'm now at $90. Like that's pretty significant growth. Uh, maybe I was at that $100 bill, but I'm not there now. I don't want to end the day with a $20 bill. I want to end the day with my $90 bill with mm-hmm. Hope's face on it. Um one one dollar for each year of his career wisdoms from dad (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh i'll tell hog about that as well i yeah i think people are and tendler kind of talks about this too is people are very ready to believe and you know this is a good like american belief of like oh it could always get better 
but people are less willing to embrace the uh, very much truism. It can always get worse, which it can, and it will from time to time. Not to be pessimistic, but and this it is happens. trading. You know, yeah. it's all about at the end of the day. Like, go back to when you're a little kid, and you know, you're learning growth. Two steps forward, one step back. Trading's the same way. We're going to take step back, steps back. And you may do it your entire career. You're never going to be always moving forward. You're going to have, you know, you're going to take some shots and it's going to hurt. And, you know, you got to, as Rocky says, it's not about how hard you get hit, but it's how hard you take a hit and keep moving forward. Um, <laughs> that's good. That's good. But that's really what trading's all about. You're going to take these hits and it's not about getting emotional around it. It's recognizing this is a business, you know. You're going to take risks. You paid for some information to learn about the market state, maybe to learn about yourself, and, and to keep plugging that one forward. And if you're not, if you're not learning from those mistakes, you know, you're just tumbling downhill. That's a great place to leave it for this week, Dan. As usual, great conversation. But speaking of great things, this weekend, those of you that have an email address with Top Step, expect something interesting in the email we are maybe doing something in honor of a uh, certain uh game in some sport that's happening this week weekend between like some city that rocky may or may not be from and uh some city that you know known for smoked meats so we'll see what happens there uh dan dan who you got the smoked meats or the uh aggressive people <laughs> <laughs> Aggressive well, fans, at least. I I don't want either. Um, yeah, I know the feeling. But I'm not a fan of Smoke Meat's um, main meat smoker's brother and wife. So I'm going to go with um, the city of brotherly love. This always seems so confusing if people are listening to this in the archive. <laughs> cool. I, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm going with... Uh, the crossroads of America. I know that's All Indiana, right. but we're getting close. Cool. Do we well, put Dan, a dollar on it, Jack? I yes. Let's put a dollar on that per usual. I think it's only like a one point spread this year, so that's should oh. be a very good game. Let's see. Do I have a dollar? Oh, oh, look at me! I'm big time. I only got a fiver. <laughs> I, go just, up. I got it's my wallet <laughs> what did you say your your bar mitzvah dan uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway uh so we'll see you uh next week have a nice weekend enjoy the game if you're not into that sort of thing enjoy whatever it is you do enjoy we'll be back the markets are always there namaste and trade well The Limit Up Podcast is a presentation of Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com to learn more about our futures trading combine and how you can become a funded trader. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.